today we could talk about some good news. You ready for some good news? Yeah. And uh, really, it comes down to who our God is. In fact, this whole series has been about that. And we started at Easter. Uh, next week, we to, to wrap it up. But as we uh, uh, remember that Jesus didn't just die on a cross for us, but he rose again. And he rose in power, and he rose for great purpose. He's a, he's a great and a powerful and a wonderful God. And uh, we gained some amazing things because of that. And one of those is the promises that God has given us. There is a reason that we get to have uh, hope in the king. In fact, our memory verse or our anchor verse for this series, Psalm 31, 24, really talks about that hope and the effect it has in our life, right? To, to be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. There is a reason that we have that strength. There's a reason why we have hope. And today we're going to talk about that hope. And if you haven't had a chance or haven't done so already, I really encourage you, memorize this. Set it to your heart and your mind. Make it part of your prayer life because the strength that you have, you're going to need in order to make it through this life, the courage that you're going to be able to, to need in order to handle the, the craziness going through those dark valleys uh, is not you. <laughs> That's, it's not in you. It's, it's not about how good you are or it's not even in other people. You need God's power. And you need the hope that we find in Christ. And that's amazing what the Word of God can do in those dark times. It reminds us that we can have strength and we can take heart when we put our hope in the Lord. So if you haven't, now we have on our connection card, we have perforated that memory verse, that anchor verse. Take it off. Put it, take it with you today and set it to your heart. But today I want to talk about why we put our hope in the Lord. It's not just in His nature and His character and who He is, which is... Uh, a wonderful reason to have hope, but we also put our hope in the Lord because God's promises are good, that, that God gives us not just uh, uh, bad promises, right? That he doesn't, he doesn't tell us that he's going to do awful things because that's not a lot of hope in that. Even if he is a divine, amazing, powerful being, if he said, yes, but I'm promised I'm going to destroy you, that's not a good promise and then I wouldn't put my hope in that. But I, I want you to know that, that this same God who has created all things and is the, the overcomer of all things also has shared with us his heart for us, and his heart for us is not a bad heart. In fact, it's incredibly good. Now, what are promises? Well, they're basically divinely backed guarantees. That's, that's what they are. And have you ever purchased something and had your buying purchase uh, uh, is influenced by the guarantee it came with? Like you have one company says, here's this part, no guarantee. Another one says we guarantee it for five years or for life or whatever. That oftentimes those influence us because, because it's, it's, a, it's a promise of quality, of, of the durability, of, of dependability. We can trust it. That's what it is. It's a promise. And the promise is only as good as the one who makes it. Right? If, if you buy a watch from somebody at a, you know, in the city who you know, walks up to you with a big old coat and says, hey, I guarantee this is a real Rolex, guaranteed, probably not a good promise. But if you go to a Rolex store and there's a guarantee of legitimacy, probably there. It matters who makes the promise, who makes the guarantee. And God has good promises for us. He's got good guarantees, not for watches, but for life. Aren't you glad that we have guarantees in this life, in this world, which is so filled with what others say and pagans say of uncertainty. But we say, no, there is great certainty in this life because we have a great God who has made great promises to us. And God's promises are good for two amazing reasons. The first one, that he promises good things, right? They're not all promises. They said are good. You know, some says, I'll 
kill you if it's the last thing I do. Now, that's a bad promise. That's a bad guarantee. That's not what we want. But God's promises for us are amazing and good. In fact, there are over 8,000 promises in Scripture. A lot of them have already been kept. We call them prophecies, 300 of which were kept just when Jesus was, when he was born, his ministry died and rose again. But there's still a whole lot. And don't worry, I'm not going to go through all 8,000 today. I've, I've narrowed it down, and then all week long, Caleb will tell you, like I had kept narrowing and narrowing and trying to get my time down on this. So here's a short list of some of the good promises that God has given us. And the first one is that God saves his people. Praise the Lord. This is an amazing one. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which men must be saved. Right? That Jesus came and he saves us. God will save us. And what does he save us from? Well, from death is the first thing. Right? Jesus said to her, right, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Now, Jesus said this to uh, uh, one of the sisters of uh, one of his friends, Lazarus, who died. And she came out to him and, and was like, why weren't you here? And he said, you know what? There is actual real life after death. Because that's not figuratively, and Lazarus came out of the tomb, right? Jesus saves us from death. And no, right now, a lot of the people that are believers stay in the tomb for a little while, but there is a day coming, dearly beloved, in which everyone will walk out of that tomb. And those of us who are in Christ will walk into eternal life. To know that the grave is not the end, not just for Jesus, but for all of us. This is why the Christian doesn't fear death. It's, it's a temporary state. It's a doorway to glory. It is not something to fear. Why? Because God has guaranteed us. He has promised us that death is not the end. But he doesn't just promise us that we will live again. He promises eternal life, but he also promises us not, that he would save us from the second death. Right? It says, for Christ, 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, who is life. You can't be in God's presence if you have the uncleanliness of sin on your soul. And yet Jesus came to save us from our sin. We just celebrated that in communion. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That you are naughty, naughty people. I am a naughty, naughty guy. And yet my God has cleansed me and saved me. And I don't have to worry when I walk before the, the holy God of the universe. I have an advocate there who is the best lawyer in the universe on my side. And he has paid the price for my sins. That I have been saved from, from guilt. I have been saved from judgment and from sin itself. In Romans 6.18 it says, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? So many of us think that we are dominated by, by sin and it's going to have its way in our life and that God only saves us from sin in the hereafter. But I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that God is working out a sanctification in you right now. And you are not the slave that you think you are. And the things that you could not walk away from on your own, that Jesus gives us the power to have freedom in Christ dominion and domination over the broken sinful ways that our wayward hearts naturally go he has set you free and you are free indeed but god doesn't just save us from sin itself he saves us also from temptation look what it says in first corinthians 10 he says god is faithful he keeps his promises he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted because it will happen he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it I want you to know that, that God has not set you up for failure. 
His promise is to set you free from temptation itself. And yeah, sometimes we have to bear it for a while. But God has provided a way for you to overcome. That the devil cannot tempt you beyond what your ability is to withstand. Your flesh will not direct you any more than, than Christ has the ability in you to direct you into life. You are set for success. And God doesn't just save his people. Here's another promise. God renews his people. That we're not the same as we used to be. That like there is new and then there is being renewed. That, that there is a better creation coming alive in you. Isaiah 40 says, But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now part of that is waiting upon God. That we, our life, the promises of God are found within abiding in God. That, that we're not going to find strength doing things our own way. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, apart from me, you can't do anything. But if we're in him, we're going to do great things and we will bear fruit. That the energy that we have to live a righteous and a good and successful and a powerful and an overcomer kind of life is not found within us. It is found in God who we abide in, whom we wait upon. But when we wait upon him, we have a supernatural ability to have this, this thing. We call it long-suffering, endurance, a way of, of going beyond what is humanly explainable. That God renews our strength when we need it. And the devil tries to tell us all the time, you're exhausted, you have to, you have to stop moving along. But I'll tell you this, wait upon God. You pray for him, you've been praying for a breakthrough in many areas of your life, I'm sure of it. You wait upon him and God will not let you down and he will not let you fail upon the way. Wait upon him, he will renew your strength. And you're going to have an endurance inside of you, an ability to continue on that you're not going to be able to understand or explain, but you're going to see the deliverance of God because that's who he is. And one of the ways that he renews us, our strength, is by, by changing us, renewing us of who we are from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, anyone who belongs to Christ has become, get this, a new person. The old is gone and the new life has begun. We don't wait till death to enjoy eternal life. The day you became a believer, you believed, confessed, repented, were baptized, you, you walked into a new life, and God made you a fundamentally different creature from the inside out. Now, yeah, we still have these sinful bodies that have yet to be redeemed. And yes, they tempt us to do dumb stuff. But I want you to know that you have a new spirit. You have been born again. That God renews us not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And there is a sanctified body coming, and it's going to be fantastic. So, as part of the righteousness of God, you are a new person. You were a sinner, right? Th that was the old you. You were defeated. That was the old you. You were, you were hopeless. That was the old you. But that is not you any longer. If you are in Christ, God sees you very, very differently because you are very, very different. The same creator who made the heavens and the earth made you and he's remaking you now, right now. And what he's making in you is beautiful and powerful and wonderful. You used to be weak, but now you are immensely strong because you are connected to the creator of the universe, the almighty God. And this same God has another great promise. Doesn't he just renew us from the inside out, but he also works in our life and he works everything for the good of his people. 
blows my mind because I see a lot of bad things that are happening to his people in this world, which he promised. That was one of his promises. That's not one of my favorite promises, but he didn't end it there. In this world, we're going to have trouble, but take heart. He's overcome the world. But this, he says, we know that, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. This is great trust that we have in God that even now he's at work, even in using the bad things against wickedness itself. I mean, didn't he use death to defeat death? Can he use the brokenness in our lives to defeat the brokenness in our lives? That our God is brilliant. He is poetic. He is at work right now in your life doing amazing things. But it's for those who love him, who allow God to do this, who have been made new creations. And we do want to love God. But as our Redeemer, He does redeem. And you have to believe that because there may be things in your life, struggles, stuff you've gone through that you could think, God, how on earth it's impossible for you, God, to make anything good of this. God is the God of the impossible. And even the most heartbreaking, awful things, our God is working together for our good and His glory. And He doesn't waste our pain, He uses it. And in the in the meantime, I want you to know this, another promise of God is he protects his people. Right? If Psalm 91, it says, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. In fact, Psalm 91 is in a powerful passage. If you're going through something difficult, you might want to just open it up and read it and pray through it because this is the same God who made this promise is the same one as our God today. And if you have to suffer disease, he's, he's using it, but he rescues and I love the fact that he says he's going to, to protect us from our enemies, from our traps, temptations. The devil can't get you. He cannot have you. And Christ will not lose one. In an uncertain world, you have the certainty of God's protection, that he is for you and not against you. He is not allowed. He's put the devil on a short leash. We still respect him. It's like a pit bull on a short list. You know, you'll stick your hand out there and smack the pit bull, right? You keep your distance, but it's on a short leash. He's protecting you. And does that mean that we're, we're not going to suffer? No, we're going to suffer. As, as we said here, that this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. He's overcome it. Jesus has already overcome the world. Not that he will overcome the world. He overcame it. It's a done deal. All authority in heaven and earth is his. We talked about that last week. So we know that he has the ability to protect us and he has the heart to protect us. See, God is bigger than any problem we could ever face and he is with us forever. And so this means that God protects us from every unredemptive suffering. We still go through the valleys, but those dark valleys shape us for glory. And so God only allows us to suffer that which is for our good and the good of his kingdom. And in the meantime, as God does this, get this promise, God provides for his people. You're not in this alone. And it says, so don't worry. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and to all the other people and teaching them not to be like the pagans who spend their entire life just anxious about how they're going to survive. And I mean, talking about very practical needs. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Right? Uh, where are we going to live? Right? Practical things of life. He says, don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What should we wear? For the pagans run after these things. They don't have the promise of God, but... Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, okay? But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I have lived the truth of this promise. In impossible times, when I should have lost everything, like really, just mathematically, financially, it should have been impossible, and my God provided my needs, which has given me a great confidence in him. And it gives me a peace in life 
So I'm not like the pagans who really do need to worry about what they're going to eat or drink or wear because in this chaotic world, they're on their own. But if you are in Christ, if you have allowed him to be your Lord and your Savior, he is also your provider. And he will provide for your needs. Now, the thing is, we have to seek first his kingdom. God's not going to provide for you if you're like, God, forget your kingdom. I'm going to build my own. He's like, I'm not sponsoring that. But if you set him first, and it's not the only thing in your life, but set him first and most, you don't have to worry. He provides for all of our needs. And that's not just our physical needs or our financial needs, but our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, our psychological needs. God is our great provider who provides everything we possibly could need. And Philippians 4.19 speaks about this. Says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now, in context, he's talking to the Philippians who gave a great financial gift. And he says, God has taken care of me and he's going to meet all of your needs. First, financial but beyond that, do you have other needs? Does all include all? Now, some of you may feel like you need hope. God's got you covered. Some of you may feel like one of your needs is you feel powerless in this life to be able to do the better things that God's called you to do. He's got you covered. Some of you feel, I need, I need greater faith. You know what? He's got you covered. Some of you, I need friendship. I need relationship. God has got you covered. Trust him. Because God is able to provide and he has the heart to provide and he will provide. He is not a deadbeat dad. God, he doesn't say that he's going to abandon us. Of course, he doesn't say too he's going to give us all our wants. Because oftentimes our wants lead us away from him. And some of the best way God ever says yes to our best is by saying no to our, our own selfishness. But he will provide your needs if you trust him. And, and as he provides for us, he also, get this, he guides his people. I am really grateful for this because I didn't come into this world just knowing how everything worked. And though, like, I had to go through science classes to figure out how the natural world kind of works. And even that we're still baffled by, much less the spiritual world. And yet, God guides us in truth. Not according to hearsay or what we're supposed to try to figure out according to our, on our limited level of intelligence and our ignorance, but he guides us according to his truth. He's promised to give us direction in this life. And how does he do that? Well, the Bible is part of it, his inspired word, where he reveals to us so many things. The church, he guides us together as the body of Christ. One of the reasons he's given us pastors and elders and teachers, right? That's, that's how he helps he guides us in prayer. I mean, how many times have you been out there and you've been praying? You say, God, I just need your help. And all of a sudden you find that, that he, he's given you an understanding or conviction or direction that you never had before. He he's guides us through his Holy Spirit, who was our helpmate, our comforter, and, and our counselor. And counselors give guidance. That's why we have them in high school. They're not as good as the Holy Spirit. But we have the best counselor who guides us. And he'll never guide us wrong. And God's counsel, he guides us in wisdom, not just to know what is right, but how to act right. In James 1.5, it says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Do you ask, lack wisdom? Because if you say no to that, you lack wisdom. If you know that you lack wisdom, here's this, ask God. He'll give generously to, to all without finding fault. Notice that God doesn't just sparingly give out wisdom. I'll give you just enough to barely make it by. That's not Generosity. That God gives us rich wisdom if we
we simply ask, it will be given to you. Not that it might be, not if God decides that maybe you should have it. So many times in life, we don't have this provision of wisdom just because we haven't asked. But when you ask, sincerely ask. Don't ask God to guide you in what you want to do. Ask God for his wisdom, for what he wants you to do, trusting he knows best. And as he guides us, he also does this. He empowers his people. He's not going to tell you to go on a path. He's not going to give you the strength to go on. He's not going to say, here's the road trip, but there's no gas money. He helps you. He helps you get there. Philippians 4, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This is, Paul is even talking about his astonishment that in his ministry, he can be rich or poor. He can be in prison. He could be on top of a podium preaching to lots of people. He can have popularity. He can have all people just hating him. It doesn't matter. He can, he can continue to be faithful and effective in the kingdom. And, and all has to do this. He can do all of it through Christ who gives him strength. He, in his life, is not contingent upon his circumstances because his provision and his energy and his power doesn't come from his circumstances. He got off that crazy Ferris wheel of insanity. He's got God helping him through. And it's real power, real strength. Sometimes we wonder, how am I going to have the strength to carry on? How do I handle this problem? I've been praying about this for so long. I've been trying to resist this, this temptation for so long. I've been trying to forgive this really nasty person for so long, and they're still nasty. How am I going to do it? God gives you strength. He will get you there. And now, as, as God helps us, if God calls us to, he's going to get us through it, right? He's personally involved. It's not just that God sends us on our own to say, hey, Aaron, good luck. Here's some energy. You know what it says in 1 Peter 5? It says, and the God of grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ after he suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Aren't you glad to know that you don't just have a a guardian angel who's there to kind of encourage you, to, to cheer you on, which is great that we have angels, but you have God himself. God himself is there helping you. You matter to him. It's not just like, well, God only helps the super saints and the pastors and the priests and all those other peoples. God helps you. Personally invested in your life. And what does he do? He restores us and makes us strong. This is the ministry of God's own presence in our life. That's what Jesus was talking about when he is the vine and we are the branches. His strength comes from him and from his eternal reserves, it's not going to run out. And, and when God strengthens us, right, it's because he's also with us. He is present with his people. He's not just doing this from a throne in heaven and, and he having hearsay and reports about our lives. He is with us. And when Jesus gave the Great Commission, right, and, right, and he said, all right, what I want you to do is this impossible task. I want you to go to all the different nations, those horrible Gentiles and everybody included, And I want you to make disciples of mine. And I want you to help bring them to faith and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Holy Spirit. right? And I want you to help them teach these new disciples how to obey me in all things. These are 11 guys. They already lost one. They were one down. And he says, now go take over the world. Build my kingdom everywhere. And so what was the promise he gave them? And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. And we haven't reached the end of the age yet, so God is with us. And he promised us that his Holy Spirit is going to help us and guide us in this. Even all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, look what it says here. The Lord God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That was to his people wandering in a desert. 
And do you ever feel like we're wandering in a desert now? And that same God, the same God, is still with his people. He is with us, will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. Which means even in the times when we feel like we're backsliding and that we're, we're, we're moving in a wrong direction, your God is so much more for you. He is so much more loyal to you than you are to him by an infinite amount. He loves you and he will not let go of you because you are his child. And because God is with you, what do we have to fear in this world? That, that there is never a dark place. There's not a, there's not a deep corner that some demon can snatch you from him loves you and he's there with you even now which means that God also sees and feels the injustices that we feel which gives a promise that for me at least this is why I included this is for Aaron but a promise that's in there is he avenges his people God is the best avenger he says this do not take revenge my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath where it is written it is mine to avenge I will repay says the Lord you know how much peace I find in that because this world is so wicked and it makes me so angry when I see the wrongs in this world, see big evil people get so much power and then their corruption and they just seem to get away with it. And I feel so small in comparison to this brokenness around me and my God says, Aaron, you don't have to go and do stupid things about taking vengeance on your own, trying to bring about justice in your own way. Leave room for God and his vengeance is real. Which means this, that not only did Jesus pay all of the sins that I committed against him, but Jesus will repay every sin. And this is terrifying if you're outside of Christ and your sins haven't been forgiven. That's a scary thing. But if you're his people and your sins have been forgiven, I want you to know that those who martyr the saints are not going to get away with it. That those who are controlled by demonic forces and who do wicked things and who promote wickedness and who torment other people and who twist the minds of young people and who kill other people, they're not going to get away with it. And God's vengeance is massive. And it's, he's got bigger fists than you do, trust me. And he's got better aim. And he's got much better timing. So we leave vengeance to God. This is why we can do the part that he's asked us to do. We forgive, which means we hand it over to him. And we trust him so we don't have to live these lives filled with just uh, anger and, 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 and bitterness and rage and malice. That's the way of the pagan. But he saves us even from the, the unmet righteousness. That's all he said in his, his Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you if you hunger and thirst for, for righteousness, for justice. You will be satisfied. It's coming. And so, we, guys, I draw peace in this. It changes my outlook that God doesn't need me to be the great avenger of humanity. He's got that covered. And beyond that, God has a place, prepared a place for his people in heaven. As he's, preparing, as he's paying back righteousness and, and, and restoring order into the world, he's also done an amazing gift to us. He said he's going to have us with him in heaven, not as slaves, but as children and as co-heirs. That, to me, is uh, mind-boggling. John 14, 2, where we started this whole series, in my Father's house, Jesus said, has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? That, that Jesus has a place for us in his home, not in some suburb or in some hotel or some other place in, in heaven. He has a place for us in his home, and he himself is preparing it. Like he's the best general contractor. Jesus was a carpenter. He knows how to build good things, and he's got a place for you. 
that not only is he, gonna, he providing a place for me and you specifically, but get this, the promise he's coming back for his people. I'm happy about that. Because what good is it if he makes a place for me and then I never get to enjoy it? But we know that Jesus who came, put on flesh to die on a cross is coming back in glory and he said soon. Now soon means something different to God than it clearly does to me. Because soon is what you're all praying to God, make this message end soon, and, right? And that's going to happen in a few minutes. I don't know when Jesus is going to come back, but he said, be ready. And so I want to be ready because he really is coming back. He came in the flesh the first time when he, when he ascended into heaven, right? The, the apostles were all looking up there and they're like, wow, that was something unexpected. And these angels show up and said, what are you doing looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken to heaven will come back the same way. But he gave you work to do, so get along and do it. But our hope is this, we know he's coming back. And he really is coming back. And every eye on, and, and, and every person that ever lived, every angel, every demon will see this with their own eyes, not secondhand. And we're going to witness this. And there is a day where you're going to be looking on the king of glory the same way you're looking on me now. But and much, it's going to be much more important that day, right? And you're going to hear his voice like you hear mine now. And you're going to hear what he has to say and what he speaks. And you're going to witness the, the fruition and the fulfillment of, of all of the promises of faith. And so Jesus is coming back. He says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me so you can be with me where I am. God wants you to be with him. What a promise. Now, there are so many other promises that I could have gone through. There's thousands of them. And they're all good. If you are his child, if you love him, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, God has good for you, not evil. God allows us to go through hardship in life. And these things come through. One of those promises is that he uses them to actually make our faith pure that there is nothing bad for the believer. We suffer pain in a short term for our goodness and his glory, but it won't be forever. But what will last forever is his goodness and his glory. And he's coming back. And I don't know when it's going to be, but man, I pray soon, and it will be soon. Now, God's promises are good because he promises good things. I want you to know that you serve a Lord who has given us a guarantee of insanely amazing good stuff. But God's promises are not just good because he promises good things, but his promises are good also because he keeps his promise. He's not like the sketchy watch salesman, right? He's not like buying one of those extended warranties that when you need it, it's not there to help you. Right? That when God gives a promise, he keeps it every time. See, it says in Scripture that it's impossible for God to lie. Why? Because if God says it, it becomes reality. And when God promised it, it became a reality already. Hebrews 6, 19, 6, 16 through 19 says this, People swear by themselves, uh, sorry, someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to the argument. And because God wanted to make an unchanging nature of his people very clear to the heirs of what he promised, he confirmed it with an oath. What that means is, we would say, uh, in the past, this is not a good idea to, to make to swear on things, right? Just don't swear, please. But they would say, trust me. Well, why should I trust you? I swear on my mama's grave, right? Right, because then who knows, right? Or I swear by the power of God, right? If I'm telling you a lie, he will strike me dead, right? That's a dumb thing to, to say, but right? But you would swear on something bigger than yourself that gives you more credibility. 
And God said he wanted to make sure the unchanging nature of his purpose, very clear. So that we would know that God would keep his promise. He, he, and that he would keep his promise, he confirmed it with an oath. And how did he do that? God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, he who, uh, we who have fled to take hold of the hope before us may greatly be encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. God swore an oath on himself because there's no one to swear by that was greater than him. He says, I have promised you by my very nature, I'm going to keep all of this so that you will have confidence. Now, he's kept a lot of promises that seemed impossible in the word. Right? He, he, he's done some things like he sent a savior for unto us a child is born, for us unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Before Jesus came, the concept that God would have a child, a human being be born who would also be God himself was in, just couldn't fit into the brain. And yet, there was Emmanuel, God with us. And, and the government, he, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, is now on his shoulders. And he's a wonderful counselor. He guides us into all truth. He is a mighty God, that Jesus is the creator of all things and holds everything together in heaven and earth. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, which we ourselves with our own voices will be able to declare to him when we see him with our eyes, along even with the demons and all those who rejected him, that he is, he is authority and power. And he is a counselor. He guides us in truth and righteousness, and his Holy Spirit is in us. He's an everlasting father, not just a temporary one. That he, this idea that the sinful humans could call God father, and not just for a little while, but forever, what we have been adopted into his heavenly household. He's a prince of peace. Aren't you glad that God didn't call us into an eternal war? There is a battle going on for a short period of time, but it's already been won. We're just in the tailing ends of things. But he's a prince of peace, and he doesn't just bring peace for the eternity, but brings peace into our heart and our life and our soul, and part of that is just by who he is and the promises he gives. You see, our God gives us this anchor to the soul, firm and secure. That's why I say well, we need to take heart, because God's promises are good. Where I don't where you are right now in your life or with difficult things that you are going through, or with stuff that maybe you're afraid of might happen. Maybe the worst thing that you could possibly think of will happen in your life. And I want you to know this, God's promises are still there and he will carry you through it. His strength, his provision, his compassion, his care, his salvation, his sanctification, his glorification in you is, is all there. He's never going to leave you, nor forsake you, nor abandon you. He will not he will not in any way renege upon anything he said, and he's not being like trickery on this. He's not going to be like some weird lawyer that's going to be like, well, technically I kept my word. No, God keeps his word. So rely on him. We have the best guarantee for life that could ever be given. We have the guarantee of God and many of them, and they are all good. So wherever you are today, not letting our our our, our doubts or our difficulties or our struggles or the heaviness of our heart weigh us down. You have an anchor for your soul that rates you to, to God himself, who sets us free from the bondage of doubt and of brokenness to an immeasurable optimism placed upon the nature and the presence and the power and the goodness of God and the promises he has given. So we walk in joy.
This world is difficult for a while, but it's defeated. So take heart. God's promises are good. He gives good promises and he keeps them. So how do you apply that? Well, if you take your connection card out, I've got things I want you to do. I'm challenging to do because it does us no good to know this if we don't actually apply it. And how the devil wants to keep us down, doesn't he? He wants to keep us discouraged. He wants us to keep us disillusioned. He wants to keep us under the illusion that somehow darkness or brokenness wins the day. Somehow God loves everybody but you. Somehow God's promises are for everybody else, but maybe not you. (laughs) No. God loves you. He loves you, loves you, loves you. And maybe what you begin by is you memorize Psalm 31, right? You you get to this and you say, you know what? Uh... God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take heart. I'm going to have my encouragement not come from my circumstance or by my understanding, but by your promises and who you are. You are unchangeable. It's impossible for you to lie. He will give you strength as you wait upon him. He will bring you victory as he works through your life. He will bring good fruit as you continue to abide in him. Take heart. Maybe that's where you need to begin. Or maybe you're in the midst of something really difficult right now. I invite you to read Psalm 91. This is a psalm written for the people of God in the midst of our deepest, darkest struggles. This is one to carry us through the valleys of the shadows of death. Maybe that's exactly where you are because the promise and the nature of God revealed here is the nature of God who is with you. And to cling to those things and to pray them as you read them and to hold on to God and wait upon Him because He is not done yet. Or maybe today, you make the bold choice to rejoice in one of those promises. Maybe one of the things that I talked about or maybe a different promise in Scripture. You say, you know what? I'm going to rejoice and give thanks because this is true. And until I experience it in my life, I'm going to cling to the truth of it now. Take that step of faith. Cling to God. Maybe it's His provision. Maybe it's His, his sanctification. Maybe it's His forgiveness. Right? Whatever it is, you cling to that. And you're going to find strength and you're going to find courage that you will never have thought you would have before. You're going to rise up on wings like eagles. You're going to be able to keep going and not grow weary. You're going to move fast in the way that God wants you to go. And you're not going to be knocked out or faint over this. God is at work in you. Maybe that's your next step. Well, for you, maybe what you need to do is just simply wait upon the Lord. That you're tired of waiting for God's timing. and You feel like I've been doing, I've been praying, I've been asking God, when are you going to finally work? God's going to work when it's the right time. And he's not going to allow you to mess up. So, trust him. Stay faithful. Stay at it. Keep your hand to the plow and just be faithful. And you just keep going after what God tells you to go after. And you trust him because the harvest is coming. And you trust that. Maybe that's what you need. Don't give up. Or maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. These promises, the good promises, are for his children. One of those promises is that you can be his child. That we are saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus and not by works so that no one can boast that we, right? This is a free gift of God. That, that Jesus said that, that God sent him into the world because he loves the world. That, that, that he would save any and all who would believe in him. He didn't send Jesus in the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You need to have that step to be reborn, to have your sins forgiven, to have this new hope, and to walk in these promises of God. Why on earth would you leave here without that guarantee? Now we say by grace through faith. And we express that faith in our belief and our confidence.
confession and repentance. We're going to even have a baptism today, and you could be baptized, and that's a fantastic thing, but also in your discipleship and, and as we grow up in faith together. If you need to make that decision, I need you to come talk with me after the service. And I want to help you take those steps of faith so that you too can walk in these wonderful promises of God, that you too can live within the love and the goodness of God. Now, I've given us all something, hopefully, to do. Take that faith and, 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 and express it, but let me know as your pastor, I'm going to pray for you this week as you take those steps because you're not alone in this. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to take those connection cards. And please, everybody, just take your connection card, drop it in the offering basket as you pass. Right? Let that be an expression of your faith to God, saying, God, I'm trusting in your promises. As you consider what you're going to write, please uh, join me in this prayer as uh, we ask God to direct us and guide us in the, in the goodness of his truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, you're so good. Lord, you're so good. We don't deserve you, but uh, Father, I'm grateful you'll give us what we deserve and what we need, and we need you. We need you so badly. So Father, I pray today, those who are, are discouraged that you would bring encouragement, those who are, are feeling overwhelmed, that Father, you give them a peace and a direction. Father, for those who have been beat down, you give them victory, Father, in Christ, so that they can see that. Give those who are hopeless hope. Father, those who are, are in the midst of turmoil, that you, would give, that you would give direction and peace. Father, God, that we would see you in a new way, but more than that, Lord, direct our hearts back to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Father, as we as we express that faith this week and through these next steps and decisions, Father, draw us closer to you. Teach us what we need to do, Lord, so that we can be walking alongside you according to your purposes as we, as we anticipate and wait upon all of your promises being kept in and through us. Father, we pray, too, for our tithes and our offerings, just an expression of our faithfulness to you. Use them to build your kingdom for your glory. Lord, we pray all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus.